All right, welcome to uh, episode nine of the Nebraska Athletics Podcast. Uh, Jeremy Foote here, joined by Brian Rosenthal. Uh, Brian, we're still Jeremy. We're still at football season. Basketball season is not far away. We've got uh, soccer still going. We got volleyball, but I'm sure we're going to start with football as usual. Um, yeah, Huskers still looking for their first win, but. I think from listening to Coach Frost today, is uh, I guess we're recording this on Thursday. Um, Huskers play on Saturday at Northwestern. Um, I think Scott seems still pretty, uh, I would say, optimistic on the high end for Saturday. Seems like he thinks the team really turned a corner at the Purdue game. I guess those are his words exactly, I guess. Yeah, that's what he said. And he really likes the way they've been practicing and that's kind of been the tone of the entire season it seems like we talk about ad nauseum how do they practice and um, is it good is it bad what does it mean and Scott says it all the time so uh, the media writes about it a lot we talk about it a lot because it's a it's a key issue for this team and for the last week or two it seems to be pretty good for for, uh, as far as practice is concerned Uh, I think as, as Scott said they hit rock bottom he says at the Michigan game, I would think it was probably going up into that week, that Thursday before that Michigan game, when it was obvious he was not happy, and it was because they had a really bad practice that day and, and that week, and we saw what happened at Michigan, and then it got a little bit better, and then we, as you said, the Purdue game was, was kind of a turning point. We'll see. They didn't win at Wisconsin, but again, that's a really tough game to win. Uh, this week will be two, but you get the sense that they're they're right there. They're they're getting close. You get the sense that just a couple of things go right if you eliminate a couple more mistakes. And I think they did a better job of that at Wisconsin. Still not clean, but I think if they can get a couple of breaks to go their way, get get some some momentum, and eliminate the mistakes, I I, I do. I think they're really really close. And and maybe it happens this weekend. We'll see. It just seems like they've been a team so far this year that hasn't really caught in any breaks and has had about every single break possible yeah. going against them. I mean, if you think back to... And there's a reason for that, too, at some point. There's, um, and some Scott, of it is bad luck, but Scott's you, you create your own luck. When so. you put yourself in certain situations, you don't necessarily always put yourself in the right situation to have a break go your way. Um, and For instance, the, the Colorado game. I don't think Antonio Reed was going in with the mindset that he was going to take a guy's head off. I think he made a play on the ball. The ball was overthrown. And unfortunately, as we've seen every weekend in college football and pro football, a targeting call happens when that wasn't the intent of what happens. Okay, bad break. Um, Wisconsin game, not that this play – I think of the Wisconsin game. Yeah, I think of the Wisconsin game. Not that this play would have made a difference, but uh, – I believe I believe the thing of the Wisconsin game is the Purdue game. Freedom gets called for a roughing the passer where he gets pushed by the offensive lineman into the quarterback. Yeah, that was that Purdue game. That yeah. Purdue game. That's I mean, it's a bad break. It happens. Other teams it seems like maybe those breaks happen in times when it doesn't really change the game so much. Um, the Purdue game we almost interception that probably goes bounces mm-hmm. off of Purdue players' hands. Um, it seems like Nebraska just needs to get one of those breaks at some point and it maybe just kind of sheds that that stigma for everybody that, oh, hey, we, we finally got a break. Not everything's going against us, and maybe it just lets everyone kind of relax a little bit. Yeah, and it's it continues to be an issue and has been for years, I think. For whatever reason, Nebraska just doesn't get or create the turnovers that 
they used to back in the day. And uh, there's obviously a lot of things that aren't the same as back in the day, but it just seems like it's so hard for this team to get a turnover. And as we know, those can be game changers. And the few times over the last few years you think of them getting multiple turnovers in a game, then it turned out pretty well. The one I can think of right off the top of my head, it's been a couple years already, but at Indiana they had a couple of interception returns for touchdowns. Obviously changed the complexion and everything of that game that, that they won. And you know, I'm racking my head trying to think of other games recently where they've had multiple turnovers that really um, affected the outcome, outcome of a game. And you, There was a Wyoming game. Josh Allen was actually the quarterback two years ago, I believe, where maybe he had two or three yeah. interceptions. But, yeah, there's not – there hasn't been that many. Yeah, Nate just, Gary had one of those. Yeah. And, yeah, it just – it's it's mind-boggling, really. And especially because this defensive staff, going back to Central Florida, that's – they preach it. They they thrive on it. They That's, that's how Central Florida had so – much success last season, the last two seasons, was by forcing, creating turnovers. And, you know, it's it's not like it's not been a point of emphasis, but, you know, some of that is luck too. But, mm-hmm. again, sometimes you create your own luck. So I, I, I just like to see them defensively get the ball in better field position for the offense. And one way to do that is to, you know, get your helmet on the ball or deflect a pass that's caught by a teammate defensively or just flat-out catch it off the, you know, at the point of attack or whatever, but it, it, it just seems like that if they could get a couple of turnovers and get momentum going their way, you know, that could be a game changer too for them. Seems like one thing is, and I think Coach Frost has brought this up multiple times, is guys realizing that things they do in practice do have a relation to games. So I think earlier in the year yeah. they had the two fumbles against Colorado, and then Coach Frost brought up the next the next week about hey, we focus on this every day, but I don't think it got in the guy's head until it happened in a game and then they realized, okay, this is why we're doing this in practice. And I know he brought up after the Purdue game uh, a defensive um, thing that they do in practice with tip drill. Mm -hmm. And it's like uh, maybe the guys were always, "Eh, why are we doing this? And then you see in a game that, oh, you know, a little locked in on this, maybe we create an interception. Not that it happens every single time because, like you said, a lot of that is luck, but... It seems like I know he's brought it before that until guys seem to see things in games and how it affects them, then they're not then they're realizing how important some of these things are in practice, and hopefully that'll that'll have an impact moving forward. Yeah. Um, so, it, the Nebraska Northwestern series it's been an interesting one. It seems like it's been dominated by the road team for quite a bit. I guess what is you you've been in you've been at quite a few of these games. Yeah, the only. The only time the home team has won in this series since Nebraska has joined the Big Ten is the Jordan Western mm-hmm. Camp Hail Mary catch yep. it, in Lincoln, and obviously that should have been a loss. But and then we'd be talking about the home team has never won in the series. So that's kind of awkward when you yes. stop to think about it. But you know, for Nebraska at Northwestern, I can kind of see it because the crowd is half red and mm-hmm. it's not like a regular road game. And I can kind of see Nebraska having an edge at Northwestern. The, the the surprise, I guess, is why Northwestern has had so much success in Lincoln. and But then again, a lot of teams have recently. But this is going back before Nebraska was having such a hard time losing at home, though, that you know Northwestern came here that first year and won. And, and for whatever reason, just in general, Northwestern, not just this year, but in, in previous years to me, just seems like a team that thrives on going on the road in big stadiums and pulling upsets and 
winning when they're not supposed to. And uh, I, I think they thrive off the environment sometimes of going on the road. And some teams are just like that. You know, we've talked about the, the volleyball team here that likes to go on the road. And sometimes we think they perform better in road games or road matches than at home. So some teams are are like that. And I think Northwestern football is one of them. But we'll see this weekend. It's homecoming for Northwestern. They've not won a home game yet. They're 0-3. Um, they've won their only two games on the road. One of them at ranked Michigan State. Uh, again, it'll be a huge Nebraska crowd. Uh, Nebraska fans, well, first of all, there's a huge alumni base in Chicago. Second of all, Chicago is a great and easy and fun destination for a lot of Nebraskans who travel. So, And it's an easy ticket to get to. So uh, expect a big crowd, and we'll see if Nebraska can continue that trend of the, of the visiting team winning in the series. I think Coach Shenander got posed this on Tuesday. He was asked, you know, what what is his defense going to see different from last last weekend? And he pretty much said, well, the exact opposite. Wisconsin's going to yeah. line up, pound you, and, and run it at you. And Northwest, I mean, what what did they finish with last weekend? They're winning Michigan State, I think, eight yards rushing. Yeah, they had eight yards and 20 attempts. Yeah. And the part of that is Michigan State is the number one ranked rush defense yes. in the nation. So you have that going against them. But – just in general, Northwestern has really struggled running the football, especially since uh, since Larkin was lost. I mm-hmm. think after three games, he retired because of injury. Uh, so they were doing okay rushing the football with him and without him. It's just taken a real nosedive. Um, what are the uh, yeah? They're last in the Big Ten at two point four yards attempt and and seventy seven point four yards a game. So uh, the numbers you know speak for themselves. Scott Frost is not convinced they're one-dimensional, but they're pretty dang close. And um, I believe that uh, Pat Fitzgerald, the Northwestern coach, probably said it best um, when asked about the rushing attack. He says, it's painfully obvious. We kind of suck at it right now. So <laughs> at least he calls it like he sees it. Mm-hmm. And he does. He does. Uh, not just there, but a lot of times with this team. He's one of those coaches that will, will lay it out and tell it like it is. And uh, and it's the truth. They're having struggling, or they're struggling right now, running the football. So, if they are one-dimensional, Nebraska's got to make sure to lock down and stop the passing game. And Northwestern's pretty good at it. I was talking with a media member yesterday while we were waiting for Coach Walters to come up, and we were talking about the offense, and we were discussing, you know, what were the keys for Nebraska to win on Saturday? And it's it's kind of strange because if you look at just on paper, they're putting up. We're putting up, you know, over 500 yards of offense, but it's not resulting in mm-hmm. in victories. And it's like, well, if you look at us on third down, we're not real great on third down. But is that because? And Coach Walters and Coach Frost will discuss it. A lot of our thirds downs have not been manageable because of penalties, other things like that. So, it seems like the and it, are you racking up in some of those yards in the second half when the defense is adjusting and not playing as aggressive, playing more of a prevent style? So I guess what would be your keys for Saturday? I think mine would be, well, and for the rest of the season, be more manageable on third down, converting yeah. those. Um, well, it all goes back to, the, you know, why why are they in third and long, and why do they have a bad field position, and why? And it's it goes back to penalties for me. I mean, they've got to they've got to clean up the mistakes and the penalties. You know, why do they have five hundred plus yards a game? But yet, not winning or not scoring enough points. Well, part of it is is they're they're covering so much. They have to cover so much field. They're mm-hmm. getting the ball at their own ten yard line, and so you can, you can cover a lot of field at that point and get yards, and and still only end up with 
three points or no points because of a turnover or penalty that set you back again, so you're having to cover those yards again. That's, yep. I mean, you stop and think about it, the 500-plus yards and, and not relating to success on the scoreboard, it, it kind of makes sense because – as we, as we mentioned, the field position, so, you, you know, you're starting at your 10, you have so much field to cover, and then you have a 10-yard penalty, a 15-yard penalty, put you back, so then you're having to recover those yards. I mean, you're having to work so hard and gain so many yards to just get into field position to score. So, it, it, you know, it's it's a weird thing, but it, it all goes back to, to penalties for me. Uh, you If you don't have 100 and whatever yards a game it is that they're getting in penalties and that's that's a football field right there so I, I it just goes back to eliminating mistakes eliminating the penalties and i think that'll lead to better field position and an easier time scoring without either of us getting probably into too much trouble here talking about officiating i don't know if i've seen a game speaking last week specifically where more holding calls were called on one team mm-hmm. <laughs> is that all we're gonna say we're just gonna say mm-hmm. well it's it is what it is. It is and what it is. That's. It was just interesting. I. It seemed like maybe it was one of those bad break things, but it was just like. Well, I thought the same thing at the Purdue game. I yeah. thought that there were a couple that I didn't think were, and then you see a opposing player tackle a Nebraska defensive mm-hmm. lineman, and that's not holding. I don't. I don't. I don't get it, but. You can question the other team, I guess, all you want, but you know Frost has admitted and that most of the penalties Nebraska's gotten, they deserve. So, oh yeah, I'm not saying. I, I I guess I'm not trying to say that we were being called for things that didn't exist. Well, I think there's some of that going on too, but um, it's it, it is interesting that that Nebraska gets flat for doing the same thing that the other team does, and the other team doesn't get flat for it. And that's 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 happened sometimes. Mm-hmm. So. Um. Well, I guess for we've talked offense. What is your key on defense? I mean, obviously, we have a team that doesn't rush the ball well. You don't want to let them go off and run for 100, 150, 200 yards. Um, defensively, is it obviously creating turnovers would be great in the secondary, but is it creating pressure? Is it um, containing the quarterback in the pocket? I guess what would be your keys on the defensive side? Yeah, I would make sure that you're you're keeping an eye on, on Clayton Torres, and it always seems that whoever's a quarterback from Northwestern always busts a big run mm-hmm. against Nebraska. And I, I think just keeping all, all eyes on him and getting pressure on him, making sure that he doesn't get loose. And, and he, you know, he's not a guy that's expected to run a lot, but he can, and he, he could break one now and then. So I, I would say it's getting pressure on him and, and just making sure that, that he doesn't beat you. Yeah, it'd be interesting. And then uh, we'll finally be – it seems like we've been on the road for quite a while. We'll be back at home um, the following weekend back here at Memorial Stadium uh, for Minnesota. Um, well, let's switch over to volleyball quick. Um, last weekend, Nebraska had their 14-match winning streak come to an end against Minnesota, number five Minnesota. Um, got back on the right path last night with a sweep of Indiana. <laughs> Um, big challenge this weekend, though, for the Huskers. They're at Penn State. Um, have you heard anything from Coach Cook? I guess on what he what he thinks about his team as we're hitting roughly, I don't know, five five weeks till the end of the regular season. Well, he was pretty obviously disappointed after the Minnesota loss last week, and um, said watching the film, I can't remember what set it was, but 
was one obviously they lost and said he threw up in his mouth a mm-hmm. few times watching it so that wasn't obviously good and just watching them for whatever reason and they had some problems with this last year too but this year it seems a little bit more just the problems with the second set and even last night against indiana they had 17 to 9 easily wins the first game which they've done that mm-hmm. and then for whatever reason last week at home against iowa iowa wins the second set um, that's the first time that Iowa's won a set against Nebraska um, since 1987, I think. It was like a string of 19 matches that Nebraska had swept Iowa. And then Indiana last night, again, it had 17-9. Indiana comes back to tie it, and then I think it they go up. extra. It goes 30-28. to 28. Yeah. So um, you don't have to work extra hard for that. And then it seems like they regroup themselves, and, and they're fine. And then they dominated the third set. But against good teams like Minnesota, you can't, you can't let that momentum go. Mm-hmm. So... And I don't know that Coach Cook has necessarily talked a lot about it, but that's just me watching. It's, it seems like the second set they've had really uh, a difficult time trying to maintain momentum from this first game and uh, and against good teams like Penn State. It'll be obviously a tough road environment for Nebraska, but again, a team that thrives on the road in these big matches. So we'll see what happens. But that's uh, that's a, that's a thing for Nebraska with me right now is you know maintaining momentum and winning that second set. I think a lot of people forget how young this team is. I mean, you have Michaela yeah. Fecky and um, Kenzie Maloney, Brooke Smith that are all seniors, um, but then pretty much everybody else that contributes is a sophomore or freshman. Yeah, you have a freshman setter. A freshman right setter. There. Lexi Sun's a sophomore. Kelly Schwartzenbach's a freshman. Jess Sweet's a sophomore. Lawrence Stiverns is a sophomore. Um, yeah, we go back to the number one ranking at the beginning of the season, and we questioned then because the team lost four starters, mm-hmm. and they're ranked number one. So, But they're 15-2, and two, Yep, and you know, still in line to win a Big Ten title. Right now they're not in first place, but long yeah, season is, to go. Long season to go. So. roughly two weeks is going to be a real kind of – setup point for them I would say I mean I think it's given that they're going to make the NCAA tournament that probably where they slide at and maybe being a top four or top eight seed because you're at Penn State this Saturday then next weekend you're at Wisconsin and at Minnesota on back-to-back nights Friday Saturday and then the following Wednesday you're at Ohio State um, before you come back home and then you're against Illinois who was undefeated before Nebraska beat them then you're back at home for Penn, or Penn State on on uh, November 2nd. So, yeah, about the next, yeah, good, uh, about three weeks, actually. Your next one, two, three, four, five, six, about seven matches are all against, you know, really good teams in the Big Ten, and that's really going to kind of decide where this team's going to, you know, finish that up. I know listening to John Baylor last night, he, he kind of had Nebraska – and Minnesota may be vying for that number four regional host with Minnesota having it right now. But, you know, if Nebraska can go up there and, and win, maybe it evens a playing field, and then you, you yeah. see how the rest of it works out. So um, our other sport we've got going on right now, um, Nebraska soccer. They are currently fourth, I believe, in the Big Ten Conference at 4-1-2. and two. Um, Had their streak, well, not – not undefeated streak, but unbeaten streak snapped last week uh, when they lost to Iowa at home 2-1. to one, But they're back at home uh, tomorrow night, Friday night, against Michigan. Um, 
It's been I, last year. Nebraska got off to a pretty decent start and then kind of struggled. A lot of ties throughout the season. Seems like they've done a better job of uh, uh, capitalizing on wins. Gotten some good road wins this year. Their season is you know close to being over. They've got four four match four matches left. Michigan. Michigan State this weekend, then they're uh, at Wisconsin next Thursday, and then a uh, week from Sunday they host Illinois at home, and that's the, the regular season ender. And then uh, I, I would think they'll be in the Big Ten t- tournament at, at that time. Not everybody makes the tournament, but I would guess their, their hope is to, to host. I know in the first round, campus sites, um, and then the semifinals and finals yeah. are in Indiana. So they just missed out on the Big Ten tournament last year. Yep. Went down to the very last seconds, I think. So. Yeah, they were basically, I think it was all the ties they had throughout the year, just kind of yeah. eliminated them from that. And So, yeah, if you haven't gotten out and watched uh, the soccer team play this year, get out to Hidner Stadium. It's a pretty friend, family-friendly environment. Uh, they got some good promotions. I know uh, tomorrow night, I believe, they're giving away scarves to the first 450 fans. Um, Sunday is usually a family day. They'll have like uh, inflatables, balloon animals, face painters. Um, and then Sunday, next Sunday for the uh, 21st, I believe they're having a pre-game trick-or-treat event. So um, feel free to dress up and dress up your kids, bring them. I think they're having a costume contest at halftime. So um, really good venue over there at Hibner Stadium. If you don't know where it's at, it's just north of the Devaney Center on um, right off of uh, Cornusker Highway. So. Uh, well, the only thing we got to talk about, Big Ten Basketball Media Days started today. Chicago, well, I guess it's a one-day event. Um, what do we learn about Nebraska basketball today? It's, it's actually a half-a-day event. It's funny how the football media days last three days and men's basketball is done in like three hours. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, I don't know that we learned much of anything. It's just a lot of um, talk about the stuff that we've really already talked about. I don't think there's anything newsworthy other than the fact that Tim said they're going to go to Italy next summer for their every four-year trip that they have, so um, that'll be fun for them. But well, we I did. think a lot of coaches across the league today voiced their opinion on how good they think Nebraska really is, and I don't think it's just coach speak. I think they were sincere on that, and um, we'll have to read some more stories as they come out from Chicago, specifically what some of the coaches said. But in listening to some of the questions up front, uh, they were uh, very few and far between. <laughs> so it wasn't a lot of activity on the main stage from what I saw uh, watching a few of them this morning. But a lot more information comes out in the round tables and stuff like that. Obviously, I wasn't there, so I can't exactly say what went on, what went on with round tables. But in following tweets and reading stories and watching BTN today, uh, not a whole lot of uh, huge information came out. but. Again, I think the the talk about Nebraska from other Big Ten coaches and players will be interesting to read about as they come out. I know there were some coaches that uh, Chris Holton from Ohio State was one of them that said Nebraska's flat out an NCAA tournament team. So uh, we'll we'll see what some of those other coaches have to say. But in general, not a lot of (coughs) huge information. But Isaac Copeland, James Palmer Jr., uh, Glenn Watson were the representatives for Nebraska. And I – those are the seniors, yeah. Oh, and yep. then Isaiah Roby, the, the junior, was there as well. So Nebraska had four players, which is by far the most amount of players I can ever remember Nebraska taking to basketball media days. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of their core four. And and they're looking really good in practice right now. I was over at practice the other day, and Tim came over and sat by me for a little bit. And 
again, we talked about how those four are really, really good. Um, they just got to develop some other guys behind them and and with them and figure out that fifth spot. And But keep those four healthy, and I think it could be a special year. I guess what is – well, one thing we should mention first from Newsworthy side is uh, released on – Wednesday, I believe, was that Carrington Davis will miss the year, uh, torn ACL, uh, freshman out uh, Achilles of... Achilles. Achilles, sorry. Was the injury, but... Yes, yeah, he's that's right, torn Achilles tendon. Was having surgery, I believe, uh, later this week, the end of this week, and he'll obviously be out a long time, like six to eight months is the recovery on that, so he will miss the season, obviously take a red shirt and still have four years, so that's disappointing because of the true freshman i think he was the the tops of the ones they thought could really contribute and do some big things but i still think you'll see amir harris and Brady hyman play for as as true freshmen this year uh for nebraska so they'll have to rely on some of them some of them because the numbers are getting a little bit low as far as scholarship i think they're down to 11 scholarship players right now so going back to the guys that'll be active on the roster this year how did I know Tim and most of the players address it because they got asked it multiple times today, but I guess how do they, in your opinion, how do they, I think we've talked about it before, how do they avoid the trap of just thinking, oh, well, hey, everyone, we think we're good. Everyone says we're going to be good. We're just roll it out there and be good. How do, how do they still keep that hunger to Well, I to think to because think of what happened should. last year, everybody wants to make the comparison to – the crash and burn of the 2014-15 season after the the very fun 2013-14 season. Well, they actually made the tournament that year, um, and expectations were very high, and probably not rightly so. You know, hindsight's 2020, but I don't think the team, the program, was ready for that jump like everybody hoped and expected. The, the difference now is, is there. Yeah, they had a great year last year, but they they were they were um, left out mm-hmm. at the tournament at the end, and they've got a chip on their shoulder. They didn't have that chip on their shoulder, I don't think, going into that 14-15 season because they had gone to the tournament. Yeah, they wanted to take the next step. They lost to Baylor. You know, they still hadn't won their tournament game, so they had that apple or that carrot, whatever fruit or vegetable you want to put in front of you. But um, so you had that in front of you. But I don't I don't think they had this really. Um, torqued off feeling like they do now. I think they were they were they felt dissed and upset. And even though that a lot of people were giving them ups and pats in the back and say they're going to be very good, I, I still think that they know they can't take that to heart and they really have something to prove. Plus, I think it's a far far more mature team and a more complete team and program than what it was four years ago when they were you know faced with the same situation. Well, before we head out, I guess what you got anything to to pitch? What do you what are you working on right now and what can people expect to be seeing on huskers.com moving forward? Well, I find out I'll be writing the story about the Northwestern football game, so <laughs> you can read about that for sure on on Sunday um, or Saturday after the game, I guess, cuz it's an early early game. I'm still uh, working on something next week, we'll have uh, Aaron Taylor being inducted into the uh, Kyle Triple Hall of Fame in December, and they will be recognizing him before the Minnesota game next week. So um, already wrote a program story in him, but we'll update that for the website sometime next week. And I'll probably update with a hoop story. Um, and 
we didn't talk about this too, but I wanted to do something on Cam Jurgens, the freshman who's making the move to mm-hmm. offensive guard and center from tight end and whatever other positions that he could play the true freshman from Beatrice for football. So, And he's also out for a month right now with a broken bone in his foot. So that might delay that story a little bit, but um, it's interesting to hear some of the coaches talk about how great of a center that he could be. So probably to be doing a, a story on that as well. I guess that's one of the Speaking to that specifically, one of the positives we can look back from when our conversation with Jamie Vaughn earlier in the year about the redshirt rule is you have a guy that maybe comes into camp yeah, at one position you said, hey, this guy really needs to switch to this. Well, you're not going to want to throw him out there at the beginning of the season in that new position. You can work with him throughout the year, and then maybe the last couple of games you can toss him out there and see what he has. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's hurt, too. So yeah, you're not he's gonna, hurt right now. Yeah. But, you know, possibly, like you said, he's out for a month, maybe the last couple of games of the year, you have opportunity to, to get him in there on the offensive line, get him some reps, game opportunities. So next season's not the first time he's ever, you know, getting on the field. Um, well, we're almost getting close to the start of college basketball season. Is this, is this your favorite time of the year, Brian? I know you're not an NBA guy, but I guess I, guess I don't know. I, I know you're a big, avid baseball fan. Um, yeah, yeah, I like whatever's in season. Okay. I mean, I'm, I'm always been a, I've always been like a seasonal sports guy, so whatever upcoming season there is and, you know, what's in front of me at that time, I, I really get into. Um, obviously, I'm usually still focused on football when basketball starts, and, you know, this year with the, with the basketball team, having such high expectations and stuff, we'll probably be keeping a closer eye on them earlier than normal. And by that, I mean this is the earliest season opener they've ever had. I think it's November 6th. They've never started a season that early. So, and there's still lots of football to be played after that, you know, at least two or three games. So, so it'll be a, a little bit of the crossover there, but I'll be, I'll be re- uh, you know, really ready to go for basketball this year. I'm really looking forward to that. And, and then springtime, baseball comes around. I like that too. So whatever whatever the season is in front of me, I, I always really enjoy. Well, we're down to four teams in Major League Baseball. If you had to pick, who's who's your World Series picks right now? Oh, I I think Boston. I think they'll steamroll. You think Boston's going to steamroll Houston? Okay. Yeah. And then I do. Who, who do you got on the NL side then? Well, we just said Houston. So. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm 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 uh, no no no. Houston's yeah, in the in the in the playoff. Are you talking in the AL? Yeah, yeah. So AL. Yeah, got Boston. Houston. Yeah, yeah, I was saying. Sorry, NL side. Who oh, you I'm got? sorry. Um, Dodgers. Okay. Well, Dodgers. I'm sure MLB Major League Baseball would love that from a rating standpoint. I'm sure they would. Yeah. I've got a somewhat pull for the for the Brewers. Former IMG. Former I. Oh, I hope they do, Network. but I don't think they will. Contact uh, Lane Grindle works on the Brewers Radio Network, and also I'm just not a fan of the Dodgers. I feel like they're the Yankees of the West Coast now. Just yeah. maybe that's Corey what Boston Se- can Co- use for Corey, their motivation. Corey Seager goes down, and they just go get Manny Machado. So oh, there you go. Um, I guess I'll pull for the. I feel like you should like the Brewers. They're, oh, I, they're I, yeah, of, I want uh, them to. They're I like a, they're like a royal. Yeah, like oh, a yeah royal they're, they've got story. lots of royals, and they're a great story. I, yeah. I would love to see them. I you'd ask my prediction. This so is true. Your prediction, Dodgers probably. Yeah, but, I think uh, that's probably the safer bet, and I think Boston will probably steamroll everybody. But okay. I, I, don't, I don't know if I can see Boston steamrolling steamroll the Astros. I can mm. see the Dodgers steamrolling the Brewers. I hope not, but. Um, well, we'll keep on track with that. Uh, we'll be back with you next week. As always, check out Huskers.com. Follow Brian on Twitter, GBR Rosenthal. Um, and, yeah, we'll be talking more football. Hopefully we'll be discussing a Husker win next week, and then we'll be looking forward to uh, Minnesota back here in Lincoln. So until then, go Big Red.